Well, again, welcome this morning. What a great time of worship we've already had today. If you have a Bible, if you'd open with me to Matthew um, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens. There's also a Bible in the seat ahead of you that you can pull out and use and keep um, if you would like. So I don't know about you, but um, this is how my life and a little bit of me following Jesus has worked out. So early in my life, uh, uh, I was 21 years old. Early in my life, I went to church, and, but when I, was, when I was 21 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And it was in the summer, and I went to school, and um, that fall as a, as a junior, and, and as I stepped onto campus, I met this guy. I met this guy that said, hey, what if you and some of your friends could put the gospel in arm's reach of every student on our campus? And at that time in my life, I guess I was like, I don't know, dumb enough or like I just said, man, that'd be awesome. What if we could do that? Like, I want to go after that. So we did. We went after that. And actually, we, we sort of achieved it. Like, we, we, put the, we did these really, like, dumb things. I, never would, I would never do it again. We, we, we went through college dorm rooms and took people's trash out as, like, an act of service. Do you know how many weird things college people have in their trash cans? Like, it's actually, like, I might have a disease from it. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, like, we, we did all these things, and we just went after, like, what would it be like to show Jesus and to shine his light under our campus? So we went after that, we, we did that, and then as kind of time went on, I, um, Deb and I started to date, we got married, then um, went to seminary, and there I went on staff at a church, and I go on staff at a church, and the missions pastor comes up to me and says, hey, Ryan, have you ever considered doing international missions and, like, going with me to Brazil, to the Amazon? And I was like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Like anacondas, monkeys, tell people about Jesus, I'm in. Like all those things, I think I I like the danger of this. And so we went 10 hours up the Amazon River from Manaus, Brazil, and went out on boats and shared the gospel with people and like went after that. But now the hard thing, the first decision I made was easy because it was just Ryan. The second decision, I had this thing I had to do. I had to go, hey, Deb what would you think if I went to the Amazon and died for Jesus, right? Like that was like that, that conversation. So the second it got a little bit harder, and then all of a sudden these other things, what you could call them children too, they came along. And every time these decisions get harder, hey, I think God's calling me to go to this place or this, or do this locally, or definitely we became foster parents. And we began to move and follow Jesus. And so following Jesus in the early days was really simple, right? Because there wasn't, there was just belief and like vigor and like go after it. I, I didn't care about as much. I didn't have much things. I didn't have a lot of things to consult around my life. But as I began to move forward, my life became more challenging. Following him became more challenging. And what I found is a lot of times when life got really challenging is I, I just forgot that first really simple thing that I did that summer. Because I, I forgot that I just simply said, Jesus, I'm in. Like, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to live my life for your greater purposes. But as life goes on, I think it's true for many of us in the room, there's just a lot that is tied into that following Jesus thing, isn't there? There's a lot of people around our lives and a lot of things that can complicate it. 
But I'll be honest, those people don't complicate it. We complicate it. And we complicate it because we just simply forget the words of Jesus spoken to us. So let's read the text today, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And this morning, if you will, stand with me in honor and reverence of God's word today. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And I'll read to us now. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, this morning, would you give us insight into this text? Jesus, help us to increasingly follow you with all of our life. Lord, use me, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So in this passage, the uh, kind of, here's the breakdown. So, so this is kind of a weird thing. I don't know, sometimes we just read scripture and we don't honestly just say this is kind of an odd moment because it's not cultural for us. One of the odd moments in this is when can imagine if I just walk up into a group of people and they're doing their job and I'm like, hey, Bill and John, come on, dude, you're coming with me. Let's go, right? That's a weird thing to do. And so we kind of give Jesus this kind of way out. So, well, he's Jesus, so why wouldn't people do that? Well, not everybody knew that he was Jesus, right? Not everyone followed him as Jesus. And so what is this kind of oddity in this text? Well, it wasn't odd in that culture in that time because rabbis and philosophers would commonly go into a group of people and say, hey, come on, come follow me. And it was actually a really noble thing. It was what everyone sought after in that time is that if you kind of made the cut, made the cut, made the cut, maybe a rabbi, maybe a philosopher would say, come on, you're coming to the NBA, you're playing with me on my team. I mean, it's that kind of thing. And so in this moment, he's, he's, calling him, calling these guys up, and he's saying, hey, come after me. And so this was a common thing in that day to be a disciple, to be a follower of someone, to learn their ways, to walk in their way, to hear their teachings. So in this text, we have two groups. We have Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and then we have James and John. And to Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James and John, it's really the same kind of call. The call is simply, come follow me. Follow me, come after me. So then he says to the first, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and the second, he's saying this kind of same thing. As fish are gathered from the sea, so will you gather others to the same call I have given you of radical obedience to me. Say that again. As fish are gathered from the sea, so will you gather others to the same call I have given you of radical obedience to me. And so then in this text, there's these key phrases, and the key phrases are at once and immediately. Their response to Jesus wasn't, ah, you know, like when I'm, when I'm 22, I'm going to do that, but right now I'm going to party, right? That, that wasn't their response. It wasn't, ah, yeah, so when my kids get a little bit older, I'm going to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't that. The call was, come follow me, and at once, and immediately. Now, I don't know if you know this, but maybe you know some people like this. Maybe your mother wasn't like that, but my mother was like this. When my mom said, do something, 
This is like how it works, right? You did it, like immediately. And if you didn't, right, she would dislocate your shoulder into your ear hole. Like it was like, it was like this deal. Like, and I don't know how she did it, but it, she could actually give you an inner ear infection just like by yanking your arm up. It was really odd. You know it, you did it. And so, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, she did, Dottie. So, uh, so this was the thing, and, and this is this kind of moment, but this is this gentle call from Jesus saying, come follow me. And I do believe that in this text, the divinity of Jesus it comes out and they, they couldn't help saying, I'm, I'm in. I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. Because there was this divine and sovereign thing that God had for these men. Peter, he would preach on the day of Pentecost and the movement of the church would begin that day. Thousands of people would come to faith. John would write, write letters and he'd write these letters of, of the actual man he touched and he saw the word became flesh. These men had this divine calling upon their life. And in this early moment, they just simply had this beginning of saying, I'm in. And at once and immediately, when they heard the call of Jesus, they followed him. So for us today, this is kind of the simple of the text. What does this look like for us? I believe first, just like them, we have to hear the call. We have to hear the call you know, early for me in ministry and in life and in following Jesus, I shared with it a moment ago. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't give my life to Christ at an altar. I, didn't, I wasn't sitting and I wasn't listening to a sermon. I'd grown up around the church. I knew the truth. I just rebelled from it. And after a really bad night out in a buddy's car driving home, I said, I'm done. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you. And that moment of repentance and faith were these roots where my life began to be changed in a way that it's never been the same since. See, the call for me early wasn't a call to a church. It wasn't a call to a ministry. It wasn't a call to a career. It wasn't a call to a program. It was just simply a call to follow Jesus. See, these men, their call, the beginning, the foundations, where they started from was simply a call to follow Jesus. And so first we have to hear the call. The call is to the person of Jesus. The call is to a person, right? And his name is Jesus. Luke 9.23 says it like this. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, right, and he would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is a radical calling. It's a radical calling of self-denial, right? Of, of, of This isn't about me anymore. This is a radical call of taking up our crosses, enduring hardship. This is a radical call of following him, a continuous, continuous action of following him all the days of our life. This calling, right, was a calling to live with him, to learn by watching him, own his values, own his priorities, letting him shape them and form them, letting him shape us and form us, that from him, right, that from him might life flow into us and might life flow into the world through us. Jesus' calling here, this radical calling, is a, a calling to form us, and from us might Jesus be known in this world. So we do not know 
when we hear this call, where he will take us, but all that we do know is that it is with him. We don't know where we are headed. We don't know where the end of this journey is going to go, but what we do know is that we get him on this journey. See, I think many of us, we spend our whole life looking for purpose. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I just want to do something with my life that is meaningful, that makes a difference, that has purpose. Anybody want that with their life? I mean, that'd be pretty weird. Nobody did, actually, only two. Uh, But, uh, I mean, that'd be pretty weird for anyone in this room to say, I don't really care. You know, when they stand up in front of me, like, good dude, whatever, when I die, I I don't know. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants something that says, man, my life counted, it mattered, it meant something. God used me to do something with my life. But, but for many of us, we, we spend our whole life looking for purpose. We spend our whole life trying to be strong, put a happy face on, buck up, stand tall, don't let people see you sweat, move forward. People that sweat, people that cry, people that have hardship, they're weak. You got to be strong, you got to put the face on. And that's just not a guy thing. That's an everybody thing. We live our lives trying to find purpose, trying to be strong, seeking after treasure, saying that, that I don't know what, what will make me happy, but I know that, that cash kind of makes me happy. And so if I go after that, maybe I'll experience joy. And if we're all honest here, like there is a pleasure in like buying something you want, right? I mean, there, that's a thing. Anybody with me on that? There, there, that is a thing, um, right? Like uh, I bought my dad a shirt. And uh, my dad uh, is a farmer and uh, says, uh, they say money can't buy happiness, but you can buy a goat, so there's that, right? <laughs> if you don't, have never been around goats, they actually don't make you happy. And so, uh, so, so treasure, like we, we go after seeking these things, trying to find peace. Like in the storms and the trials of life, what we want, we long for in our life is somehow like, is there, is there some sort of consuming peace that I can have through these things? And, and so in trying to find that peace, what do we turn to? We turn to, to food, we turn to relationships, we turn to all of these other things to saying somehow can there be a void filled in my life because I don't like how I feel right now. I want peace. So, but we are, we are being called to follow the one who is our peace He is our purpose. He is our strength. He is our worth. He is our treasure. Anything or anything, anything or anyone else will fall short of this fulfillment in our life. But many will try and on their own end up empty. And so it looks like this in Matthew 7. Matthew 7 is this verse that that we don't talk about often, but it's this verse that if you're a Christian and you've read Matthew 7, it, it troubles you a little bit. Because it's this moment where Jesus looks at the religious and he says, many of you, this is Ryan Johnston's paraphrase, many of you will come to this place in your life when you stand before me. You're going to stand in front of me and you're say, hey, God, man, I did some awesome stuff, didn't I? Man, I went to church. I launched this program, I did this ministry, I did this stuff. Like, I did great things for you. Look at me. And he'll look at you. And he'll say, no, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me. It's this 
challenging text. Because what it says is that many people think they have their stuff together and they don't. Um, does that trouble anybody? anybody? Yeah, it's a troubling verse. <clears throat> you see, I, I think there's the opposite of that verse that can happen. When we hear this call, we listen to it and he says, follow me. And that call to follow me, you go, I'm not going at this alone. Jesus, you are the center of this whole thing for me and I'm gonna follow you. And will you lead me and guide me? Well, the ministry that I do with my life, it's your ministry. The conversations I have, Lord, use me in them. When I wake up in the morning, I, I get to be with you. And then the daytime, I get to be with you. And at nighttime, I get to be with you. And I get to walk with you all the time in my day and life. And then when I see you face to face and I stand before you, it's not gonna be this weird, awkward moment of like, I don't know you for him or for me. But it's going to be this amazing moment of, man, this God that I didn't get to touch and feel like I get to hug him because I've been walking with him for years. I've been, I've, been, I've been serving him for years and he's been using me for years and he's been doing this great thing for years. And this is this incredible thing because I just simply said, I'm going to follow you. But for many of us, we've kind of accepted this other call of Jesus saves you, now get after it and prove yourself to him. It's not the call. The call is simply to follow him. And I'm pretty sure the text then says, and he will make you, right? He will make us. He will shape us into what he has for us. We don't shape ourselves. So I'd simply say, do you hear what the text is saying to you personally today? Do you hear the call? Jesus is saying to us, follow me. I'm not going to like fancy preacher that any other way, right? It's just simple, like, follow me. Jesus calling us to come after him. But it's not enough to hear the call, right? It's not enough just to hear it. There's something else that we have to do. And the other thing we have to do is we have to accept the call. So we hear Jesus saying, come follow me. And he's not just saying that to them. He's saying it to us, he's saying, come after me. And so we, we have to not only hear the call, we have to accept the invitation. See, this call is not forced upon us. It's an invitation. And we respond, not because we know everything, but because we know enough. I'll say that again. We, we don't respond to the call to follow him because we know everything. If you wait until you're ready, this is a song we, we've sung here some. If you wait until, until you're ready, you'll never come at all. This isn't about knowing everything. It's not knowing exactly what all the dry bones are in Ezekiel. It's not, it's not about knowing exactly which animal and which animal wasn't on the ark, right? It's not about these other little things, although these things can be discovered and we can know them and we will because I believe that, I mean, I've got some old people in the room today, so help me out here. Like as you grow in your faith, like you grow into knowing some stuff, right? I mean, is anybody with me on this? Anybody that's been around the, the faith for a while? I mean, I haven't been around as long as some of you, but I mean, I have. There's things that I just didn't know back then, but I do now. But it didn't stop me, right? It didn't stop me from stepping in and saying, I, I hear you. And so, so we don't have to know everything. We just have to know enough. And the question is, what is enough to know? Well, I would say that we have seen his beauty and splendor enough that we simply respond by saying, I'm in. 
And what enough is, is that Jesus Christ came, perfect, the incarnate Son of God into this world, and he lived a perfect and sinless life for you and me. He was crucified. He was beaten, crucified for us. My rebellion, my sin, my shame was bore on him. Your sin, your shame was placed upon him. And he died on the cross for me, for you, that we might have life today and one day forever. He didn't stay dead in that tomb. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't stay under the ground. He, he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He ascended on high. Jesus is alive today, and he still has this calling as he once did. Come, follow me. I know enough that my sin was taken on the cross for me, and the, and the weight of my sin is no longer mine, but he took it for me, and I can live in freedom because of that. So accepting the invitation is simply beginnings is saying, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. So in our lives, there's a lot of things that we can get wrong. So this week, we've had sick kids like for the last 20 years or two weeks. And, uh, and uh, so I, being a good father, as I I am. I'm, very, I'm a very good dad. And uh, <clears throat> I was going to help out one day at noon this week, and so they wanted macaroni and cheese, all the sick children. And so I thought, I'm going to make macaroni and cheese. So I began to search for macaroni and cheese, but my wife hides all of these delicious things that I cannot find um, in different places, or I don't pay attention, maybe the latter. And so I couldn't find any, so I thought, this can't be that hard to make. Right? I'll just make some macaroni and cheese for my kids. So I did what you do. You take out your phone, right? You look up a recipe, and you just follow the instructions, and you do it. So I did it. So I put butter in the pan, and I put some flour, and I made a little bit of a roux, and then I, right, that's what it said. And then you put some milk in, and then, then you put, uh, what else do you do? You put some milk, some salt and pepper. The kids don't like pepper, so I just put salt um, and so I, I did that, and, and then I put some cheese in. I put extra cheese in because extra cheese is extra delicious. And so I, I put extra cheese in. I made it, and I'd already done the noodles. Noodles are easy to make, um, right? You just boil them, I think. And so, so I did that, and I put it all together, and I served my children this delicious meal of macaroni and cheese. And I usually don't eat macaroni and cheese with them, but I was very proud of myself, so I had my own large bowl of macaroni and cheese. And we begin to eat it, and I, I begin to eat it, and I go, this doesn't taste right. There's something missing in this. And the cheese is very, I think the word is coagulated. Like, it doesn't look right. And I'm like, it tastes sweet. Like, why is macaroni and cheese, what did I put in it that was sweet? Did you know that powdered sugar looks a lot like flour? <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Um, now, now, one of my kids... She was like, this is good, Dad. This is really good macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and you know, when I made my roux, I didn't, I, there was a question. I'm like, why is it so crusty? Like, it's very, it's very hard. I feel like I could pick this up and eat it like candy. And so, uh, 
right? So I got it wrong. Like, there's some things, Mike, I got it wrong. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I followed the instructions. I really blame my wife because of the size of the containers. They, they, they need to be different sizes. I think that would help me understand which wasn't which. And so anyway, all, <clears throat> maybe not. Maybe not all of us get those kind of things wrong. Some of you are better at that. But in the day-to-day of life, there's all kinds of things we get wrong and we're going to get wrong. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have errors in, in our day-to-day, which is cool and normative of everyone, right? But there are certain things that if we get it wrong, there's great, great consequence. And I believe in this, this call toward our life to follow him. If, if we get this call wrong, if we do not answer it, there is grave consequence. It's not just like this weird taste and sweet cheese in my mouth, right? It's this greater consequence. It's eternal consequence. If we get Jesus wrong, at his very own word, the consequences are grave and forever. See, I think for many of us, we live our lives kind of walking, say, the tightrope of our faith And if this is the call, this is hearing it, and then there's this other step. And this other step is is really jumping in and saying, not just with our words that I am in, but with our life. Which brings us to our third thing that we can, I think, draw from this text, is we must not just hear the call, not just just hear the call, not just accept the invitation, but, but live in obedience. And what that looks like is we begin to walk this tightrope and we, we, we say, yeah, like I, I, I'm in, but like I don't, I don't know if I want to get all the way in. And so I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that, but then I kind of want to go back over here and do this. And we kind of live on this fence of our faith. We, we, we walk around on it wondering if, if we're ever going to actually jump in. And then all of a sudden, maybe, maybe with our life, we make this choice of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to get in. And, and I'm not just going to say it. I'm not just going to going to accept it, but I'm going to live it, and I'm going to walk around amongst people. I'm going to let the grace and the peace and the love and the care and the, and the justice and the mercy of my Savior, it's going to go out in the real world, and I'm going to touch people. I'm going to, I'm going to be with them, and I'm going to care for them. I'm going to let Jesus flow through my life. But, but many times what we do is we, we kind of say jump, and we're all in, and then we just kind of get this little holy huddle over here. I love Mike and Kristen, right? I just want to hang out with them. Man, I want to show you the love and peace and mercy of Jesus. We just sit here together, but it's great. It'd be good for us, and we feel really wonderful about it, but everyone would miss out on this wonderful thing of Jesus together, and so we, we jump up. I, 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 I'm not going to take you with me, and so we go, and we run around, and, and we, we go into the real world with real people, and we live this out. See, it's not enough to just hear it. It's not enough to just accept it. We have to live it. We have to do all of this together, and we have to move into the spaces of everyday people in everyday life, in this way, this is what Jesus, again, say it like this. And he said to all, Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. See, it's a call to self-denial. Again, it's saying, this is not about me anymore. I have heard your call to follow me, Jesus, and I'm in says, take up your cross, meaning endure hardship for me. So this kind of blows up. There's this kind of common gospel message that kind of floats around our culture called the prosperity gospel. 
Prosperity gospel works like this. You get God, right? And then he gives you stuff. That's kind of how that works. Like, and if you live well, then God blesses you. And I do believe that if you don't, if you live in obedience to God, he will bless you. But I'm not sure that's cars and money and houses. See, this message of taking up a cross, almost every person we read about in the New Testament, they made this choice. And this choice was, I am going to willfully endure suffering and hardship so that others might know the wonders and the grace of our God. Paul will say it like this, I've given my, my body over to death that they might have life. It's saying that I believe that this is so wonderful that I am personally willing to go through hardship in my own life so that others might know how wonderful and good and grand and beautiful my God is. So self-denial, not about me taking up my cross, that I'm willing to endure hardship. And then this phrase again, follow me. Right? Take up his cross daily and follow me. A continuous action of following all the days of our life. So what does this look like? What does it look like for us sitting in this room today, right here at the North Canton Chapel? What does obedience look like? What does hearing the call to follow me look like? Well, the first thing I think it looks like is just simply, like we just said a minute ago, to live, right? To live. To live faithful in word and deed. In the everyday places of life where I am placed, that I am living faithful to my God because I stand before him. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That all of my life under his authority, to be faithful in word and deed, to eat, bless, listen, recreate, celebrate, to work for him and his name. And now the challenge of this, living it out in the day-to-day of our lives, is because we tend to live a bit of compartmentalized lives. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. That's a bit of how we work, right? So we, we wake up in the morning, and so for me it works like this. I wake up in the morning and I have this like family time. I gotta help around, get everything going. And then I have this time where I go and I work and I do the things that I do every week and every day, right? I go and I do those things and then have this like spot at lunch that I have a little bit of free time and then I have my different nights of the week where we do this or we do that or I have this and that and I kind of compartmentalize my life around these activities. Anybody else do that with you, right? So then I think about following Jesus and I kind of feel overwhelmed, right? Because like I gotta add stuff to my schedule. Kind of freaks me out a little bit, right? Does that freak anybody else out? Like I don't have time. I don't have time to do anything else. I got four kids, I got a wife, and I I feel like I'm not being a good enough dad and I'm not being a good enough husband. And then I got my my staff and I got my team and I got like my parents and I got then all y'all and I got all this stuff in my life and this feels a little overwhelming. Anybody else go there in life? Anybody, can you get there? You just, you don't, you want to do what I just did, right? (laughs) Right, you just get, it's a little intense. Because we, we think of our faith and we really live our lives this way, is we just, we're always adding things on. And I don't think that's what Jesus is actually calling us to in this. It's not adding another thing. It's saying, hey, in all the things you are doing, I want you to be really intentional for me. So when you wake up in the morning, what's it look like for me and you and the kids to be together? 
And when, when you go to work, what does it look like for me and you to go to work together? When you're in the car in the morning, what's it look like for me and you to drive to work together? And what does it look like at lunch for me and you to use this space to like be a blessing and to care and to, to be selfless? And what does it look like for me and you to, to come home together and to go sit in a room with a bunch of moms while your daughter is in a dance class? That's me right now. Like, I don't know what to do with that space, but maybe I could be a blessing. Like, maybe me and him could do something for his glory in that space. And what does it look like for me and him and me to follow him in all the places? And I don't have to add anything else to my life. I just need to start being intentional with my life for him because I love him and I've answered his call and I want to follow him. See, this isn't a call to adding. This is a call to being intentional with the day-to-day and the moment-to-moment of my life. So live faithful in word and deed. Second thing that I think it looks like for us is to serve the body of Christ. Now, you're never going to hear from me from up here. That's the end-all, be-all of the faith. Um, But it is a part of the faith. It is a part of our obedience to God. And to serve the body of Christ, what that looks like, you are at the North Canton Chapel this morning, if you didn't read the sign. So right here, how do we serve one another? I think there's lots of ways that we serve one another. But I think in those ways, sometimes it's challenging. Say like next generation kind of ministries. It can be a bit challenging. We live in a day where our children, our students have unprecedented challenges. Sometimes when you say go serve in our children's area, sometimes you'll go into a room. I remember my wife was serving this a few years ago. I went to a room of like five-year-olds. I lasted five minutes, not even kidding. I was like, I, I can't do this. I can do like my one, I can't do this. And, and here's the thing, that wasn't my spot or my place necessarily, but it was my wife's. But the reason sometimes that's hard is our kids and our students have unprecedented challenges in their life. And sometimes when they poke you, when, when, when you get in a room with them, they're going to kind of poke you back. Some people call it porky, like our kids are porcupine kids. This is the day we live. And if you get around some kids, they're going to hurt you back, not because they want to, because they've been hurt and they don't know how to express this out. And so sometimes we step out of ministries because it's hard. I'm telling you, it's worthy. It's worth these hard things because children, students need it today more than ever. And we all know that. But God is calling, I believe, many of us in this room to be faithful in serving next generation ministries. I believe serving looks like variety, being on the stage and the choir and the band, singing, moving into a calling in life as a worship pastor or a worship leader. It, it's, it's moving into these places of being a smiling face and a greeter and usher, making coffee. Praise God for coffee, right? Like teaching, you know, helping people walk down a pathway as an ABF leader, an MC leader, or a men's or women's leader, making disciples in your life of investing in others as a teacher with a, if you have a teaching gift. It's stepping into these areas in our local church as the expression of Jesus to one another that we might raise up a generation, that we might be a blessing to one another. God is calling us to serve. And I'm going to be strong enough with this. There is a card in front of you. And if God is calling you to step out and serve in some way the North Canton Chapel, I'm going to ask you today, just fill out that card and say, I want to begin to serve in this area. I'm interested in serving this area. Put it in one of the offering boxes as you go out. 
Nobody knows that I just asked you to do that today, and so they will be overwhelmed, I hope, this week with people saying, I want to get involved. I want to get engaged in serving the local church. Jesus has clearly called us to do this, and we need to respond by saying, I'm in. I want, my next step of saying I'm in is to be faithful in this area of my life. Another way to be faithful is to give, to give financially to his movement. Jesus will talk about finances over and over. One of the things he says is that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Malachi says it like this, withholding tithes and offerings. When we don't give, we rob God. This isn't about North Kent Chapel. This isn't about anything else. Giving is all about you and God. I've heard all kinds of things from people, and some of you have heard me say it. I sat on my, my wife's grandfather's deathbed where he said he wouldn't have anything to do with the church because a pastor asked him for money one time. You know, I've, I've, I sat with someone recently who said, I went to this church, and they said the craziest thing. They told me to give 10% of my money to the church. That is ridiculous. That's some sort of cold. Who would tell someone to give 10% of their money to something, right? So hear me when I say giving, right? And this is like one of these like confusing things that we say. Giving is all about God. It's all about faithfulness. It's all about saying that 100% of my money is yours, God. And I'm going to sacrificially give so that your kingdom and your movement go forward. But I'm actually just going to sacrificially give to say you're the owner. You're in charge. You got all of my cash. You've got all of my money. And I'm going to submit to you in this way. And for you and for us, as we gather in this room, I believe that the days ahead of the North Canton Chapel, there's, there's unprecedented opportunity for us to see the kingdom of God expand in ways that we could never think, dream, or imagine. I believe that in the days to come, we can revitalize dying churches. We can plant new churches. We can build up a next generation to love and serve Jesus. We can do local ministry, global ministry, in a way that we've never been able to do it before. And we're going to go after these things, money or not, because God is a provider. But I believe that we get to participate together in this. And as an act of faithfulness to Jesus, we give financially. So we we live, we serve, we give, we go, right? We go locally and globally. Right now, out of our midst, you're going to be hearing more about this. Come tonight, you're going to hear more about it. Um, Tim Talley. Um, who knows and loves Tim Talley in this room? Man, I love that guy. Yeah, Woo. yeah, my dude. We love Timmy. Tim's going to Thailand, right? Tim was a part of our residency, and God has clearly called him to go to Thailand. Tim, was, Tim and I went initiated the first trip together years ago, and in Thailand, we've been engaged in working to rescue women from human trafficking, and God's birthed the vision inside of Tim to plant churches in northern Thailand and help rescue girls from human trafficking through these churches, and so we're really excited about what he's doing, but right here in our midst, God, God is pulling one out, and he's saying, Go to the ends of the earth. Bruce and Carol Bagley, they're retired, and they're right now in Spanish classes at Stark, learning Spanish so they can spend three months a year in the Dominican Republic in their retirement because they believe God has called them to step out in faith and to give of themselves in this season of their life in this way. Right? They're, they're stepping out. God is this calling, and this, this, this calling, this life calling, for some in this room, you have that upon your life. That you have this kind of calling, like there's a land, there's a place that God is calling you. This is not everybody, but there's some in this room that God is calling out in this way to do that. And we must obey him and be obedient to do this in obedience to following him. But this life calling, but then there's this obedience, just simple or partnership. And 
inside of your bulletin today, there was multiple opportunities to go from the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Guatemala, Thailand, local places to step out and say, I want to obey you to going to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. Go into Jerusalem, Judea, into Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. He has this global calling on our life, but also a local calling in the day-to-day of our life in the local ministries that we engage with every day here, from, from pregnancy choices to refuge of hope to many, many, many others that we are engaged in in, in, in local ministry. So obedience and partnership, because simply there is a task at hand. See, the church is not this kind of collection or of people that just gather in a place on Sunday mornings. The church is the living, breathing movement of Christ in this world. And we gather together so that we might lock our arms together and go out in the day-to-day and live this out. He is asking us to be people that go. And simply we know this because Jesus, and this is the last, he has this other calling, this act of obedience he's asked of us, and that is to pray. To pray laborers. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 38, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. You see, this call of living, serving, giving, going, there's this underneath kind of thread of this, and this is Jesus saying that, that my heart My heart is for the world, it's for the nations, and we must pray for this end. Jesus doesn't weep often in the scriptures, but this is a moment where he looked out amongst the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Do you see the world around us? Just any of us, do you see this world is screaming? They are helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus is saying, I need laborers. I need servants. I need people raised up to grab onto this great task at hand. And so we pray to that end. We pray and we say, God, would you raise up laborers? Simply because he told us to. And hopefully because our heart longs for laborers to be raised up so that more and more people might know the greatness of our Savior and might be redeemed, forgiven, and built up themselves. So this morning, I guess I end with a question. What if? What if? What if we did this? What if every person in this room, every person on our campus today, simply said this, I'm in. I hear his voice to follow. I, 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 want, I want to take action with this with my life. I want to live this out in the day-to-day. And I want to live faithful. I want to serve the body of Christ. I want to give to his movement. I want to go. I want to pray. If everybody in this room said we're in, what could happen? What would the end of that be? Jesus said it to 12 and they bought in and they turned the world upside down. Imagine 750 of us plus this morning saying, I'm in. I'm going after this thing. I'm telling you, we would turn Northeast Ohio upside down so quick, no one would even know what to do. But what's holding us back is simply all of us together saying, I am in. And collectively, as we make this resounding statement, God is going to do a greater work than we could ever think, dream, or imagine through us. But maybe I'd like you to think maybe in another way. What if we don't? What if we don't? What if we just simply say, eh, 
Like, I'm going to live out basically my faith in, like, certain spaces. Certain spaces I'm not. Like, faith isn't, I'm not, I'm not taking it to work. So we're indeed not at work, but at home, church, a small group, but not everywhere. I'm not serving. Not me. I did that for years. I'm out. Paid my dues. Time's up. Good luck, kids. Hope somebody else steps up. I'm not going to give. My money's really tight. I've already made a lot of bad decisions with that. I just got to get and keep as much as I can. I'm not going to give to his movement. And I'm not going to go. Sounds really uncomfortable. Ryan talked about anacondas. I don't like that. I'm not going. I think people should do local ministry anyway. They shouldn't do global. I'm not doing either. I'm going to pray maybe when I think about it, but I know that I probably won't at all. What if we say no to this? I think the cost of saying no is far greater than the cost of saying yes. And I'll be honest, I think we're experiencing the cost of saying no. The church has never been in greater decline in America than today because the church has said no. Because we pick and choose. We follow ourselves more than we follow Jesus. And let's be honest, none of us like anybody telling us what to do even Jesus. I don't know about you, but this morning, Ryan Johnston, I choose. I choose in my own life to hear his call again fresh in my life. I choose to accept this great invitation that my Savior gave me a long time ago and he's still, still asking me to this day. I choose to the best of my ability to live in the day-to-day in obedience to him in all the spaces that he places me. I'm going to choose to live faithful in word and deed. I'm going to choose to serve the body of Christ the best I can with the time I'm given. I'm going to choose to give financially to this greater work of his movement increasingly with my life. I'm going to commit to go the best I can with my life so that the good news of Jesus might be known. And I'm going to choose with my life to pray. To pray for laborers that they might be raised up. Because I know that Jesus doesn't want any to perish. And I don't either. So I guess the question is this morning, what do you choose? We're going to sing in a minute. The altars are going to be open for you to come and kneel and pray, or maybe just right where you are. What's your choice today? No one can make it for you. Us and God. The words of Jesus are true. And they're, they're being spoken over us today. Come, follow me. Father, would you help us? to help us to be men and women would you help us to be people 
but truly recognize the length in which you went to for us, Jesus. The price that was paid for us. A a debt that we owe that we could never repay that you paid for us. A life we've been given free from the shackles of sin and shame and pain. A life in which you have made us your sons and your daughters. Lord, you help us to hear your calling fresh today. Come follow me. And Lord, would you help us just to simply jump off the stage of our life into the everyday and just say, we're in. We're in. Lord, would you rid rid us of these areas of disobedience in our life and help us to obey you even when it doesn't make sense, trusting in you and trusting in your provision, trusting in your leadership and guidance of our lives. Lord, I I pray for the person who doesn't know you that today, Lord, they might just say for the first time they're in and that you would lead them into a lifetime of faithfulness and obedience. For the person, Lord, that recognizes today they they one day said they were in, but they're far from that right now. Would you restore them and return them this morning by them simply just saying that they are in? And Lord, for the person this morning that's been being faithful and walking and loving you and serving you this morning, God, would you affirm them? But again, would you give them fresh words to just simply say, I'm in. Jesus, we're not into a program. We're not into building a kingdom of our own, Lord. We're just in with you. Jesus, would you lead us and guide us in the days to come? We're yours. Lead us as we sing. Help us respond, we ask in your name.